Welcome to the sermon podcast of Southside Baptist Church, a body of Christ located in beautiful Norman Park, Georgia. We are so glad you chose to listen in today. It's our prayer you would find the message of Jesus Christ compelling and uplifting, and that your life would be changing continually from hearing the Word of God. If you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. And now for today's message. I'd ever heard that first song. I still never heard it. (laughs) I still never heard it. (laughs) Uh, uh, So that's funny. Sorry. Sorry, I crack myself up sometimes. Yeah, yeah. When y'all choir gets back together, that's the first song y'all need to rock out right there. Yep. 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 All right, let's get back in this evening. We're going to finish up the first portion there. We're going to finish up the Beatitudes, uh, I guess, if you will, this evening, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, I'm going to read from verses of 1, one and going to read through uh, a verse of 12 uh, this evening in Matthew chapter uh, five. The title of this passage is this, Happy Are the Persecuted. And we talked a little bit about that this morning when we talked about, you know, you know being those who can, uh, 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 the criticism that you and I are going to face. And, and, and I'm a believer in this, that many of our brothers and sisters in Christ, and oftentimes we have associated that, and including myself, have associated this type of persecution uh, with with those brothers and sisters who live in a foreign country, those brothers and sisters, you know, who 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 whatever. Uh, but the reality of it, of it is, the persecution is coming our way, uh, and when it comes, it's going to be. And I'm talking about physical persecution. And many of us have been persecuted. Uh, you know, per- persecution, you know, speaks of, of a lot of different uh, uh, things. But uh, many of us, including myself. I've never faced physical persecution for my faith. You know, I've never been uh, held uh, to the fire for my faith. I've never been placed on, uh, tied to a, a stake and burned uh, as a martyr for my faith. In fact, I've never had to stand with a gun to my head and say, you better renounce Jesus Christ as your uh, Savior and Lord or I'm going to kill you and shoot you and pull this trigger. Maybe one of these days we're going to deal with those kind of things. And so Jesus warns us here uh, in this passage, and he warns his followers as well. So stand with me as we read uh, this passage. Our focal passage this evening is going to be verses 10 through 12, but we'll read uh, verses 1 through 12 like we've done uh, the previous weeks. The Bible says this, And seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying this in verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. 
And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, uh, for they shall be called the sons of God. And here's our focal passage this evening in verse 10. It says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In verse 11, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great. In heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Father, we come to you, God, and we uh, thank you, Lord, again for this opportunity. And Father, as we walk through this passage this evening, Lord, we're going to see the realities that many of us, many of our brothers and sisters, have faced for 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 years and years and years, Lord, and many of us have never faced. But the reality of it is, is we're going to eventually face this type of persecution that you warned your disciples about. But, oh, Lord, when we do and when we endure, your promises are true. We will inherit the kingdom of heaven and our reward will be great in heaven. And so, Lord, I praise you and thank you. And I thank you for this evening once again. And I thank you for these folks assembled here in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So if I were to ask you this evening what happiness looks like, how would you respond? What I would imagine that most of us, if I would ask you how happiness is or what happiness looks like, most of you would not say, Preacher, happiness looks like standing and being persecuted for my faith. Most of you wouldn't say that. In fact, most of us would consider happiness and persecution that they're not good bedfellows, right? I mean, think about it. Really, let's be honest with ourselves. Most of us will not consider ourselves happy in the midst of persecution, whatever that persecution might look like. So how can someone face persecution and still be happy? Think about this. How can someone be reviled and insulted and yet still be happy? How could someone be in prison on account of their beliefs in Jesus Christ and yet still be happy? How can someone be happy when others are saying all kinds of evil things about them? How can someone be happy when their character is being drugged through the mud for no apparent reason just because you have the character of Jesus Christ? How can someone be happy when they're experiencing physical violence on account of their Beliefs. How can someone be happy when they're being silenced because of their values, those values that they hold strongly to, those values of being a follower of Jesus Christ? How in the world can you not be happy when after time after time after time after time again, this cancel culture is canceling out religious liberty and canceling out religious freedom and the government? All that seems to want to do is over and over and over is cancel Christians. Cancel Christians. So how do we be happy in those moments? How can someone be happy when they're left out of a promotion at work? Or they're fired from their job because of their beliefs? 
or ridiculed at their job because of their beliefs or, or because they will not cave to the agenda of their employers. And I can tell you this. There's going to come a time when each and every one of you that work in the secular, me myself included, that work in the secular arena are going to have to make a decision whether or not you're willing to follow the agenda of your employer. You're going to have to make that decision. I, myself, am going to have to make that decision whether or not I'm willing to stand behind this pulpit and preach this word regardless of what that world says about my God. I'm going to have to make that decision. Am I willing to stand up here and be persecuted for my faith? Am I willing to stand up here and preach against the, this, this world that we live in and all the evils of this world we live in, knowing that, that there could be officers of the law standing outside that door that come in and take me immediately away to the jailhouse? And I've told you this before. It's okay. Just bail me out. All right? Just bail me out. And so we're going to have to make some hard decisions as followers of Jesus Christ. And we're going to deal with this type of persecution. So I hope you get the point. And one thing we need to understand that without the proper relationship, without that a subsequent perspective of having Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, it's all heartache and it's all depression. No, no way in the world that we can feel happiness in the midst of those illustrations that we've mentioned in the midst of the persecution and things that you and I, I believe, are going to deal with very, very soon. And so happiness, it only comes when we're being reviled, persecuted, and spoken evil of when we are faithful followers of Jesus Christ. That is when you and I can be happy. That is when you and I can find happiness in our those being reviled and persecuted and spoken evil of. And so as we've walked through these Beatitudes, essentially what we're dealing with now is the final one that Jesus says. Basically what he says, listen, if you've been poor in spirit, we talked about that. When you see others in light of, see your, yourselves in light of God's righteousness, when you mourn over those sinful and hopeless conditions, you've grieved over your sin and you've, you've, you've become meek. That means you deplore your sinful state. That means we see our problems are ourself and not everybody else. Then we begin to hunger for thirst and thirst for righteousness. And that leads us to be merciful. That leads us to be blessed uh, because we're pure in heart. And then it leads us then to want to be peacemakers because the peace that we have found in Christ Jesus, it's all about that relationship, that relationship that helps us to deal with the persecution and be happy in the midst of persecution. So when we consider all those previous seven Beatitudes, the reality of it is this. The only way that you and I can endure the persecution that we're going to face is to have all seven of those Beatitudes first. Then we'll be able to endure. So basically here is a, a progression. Naturally, this eighth and final Beatitude, it means that when we have the character above, again, when we have the character of those seven previous 
Beatitudes, we can expect the eventual experience of the final one. In other words, when you and I live as followers of Jesus Christ, when you and I are poor in spirit, when we're, when we're, when we're, when we mourn over our sin, the world is going to see that. The watching world is going to see that and they're going to say, listen, let's persecute those Christians. Let's persecute those Christians. And so blessed are those who are persecuted. Jesus says, for the sake of righteousness and on account of Christ. So the point is this, this evening Jesus said, those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness will be happy. We're going to be happy when we're persecuted, church. And so followers of Christ, when we suffer persecution for the sake of righteousness, we're going to be happy as well. And so as we take this final Beatitude uh, this evening, these final three verses, one of three, three essential ideas for us to consider when we think about being happy in the midst of persecution. Number one, true followers of Christ will experience persecution. You might want to underline that word will, you might want to capitalize that word will or whatever. We will experience persecution. Persecution. Jesus uses that word, that term persecuted in a, uh, persecuted or persecution or, or, or whatever in verses 10, 11, and 12. It's seen in all three of those verses. And anytime you see a word repeated, it's a, an important word. It's a, it's a word that you need to pay attention to. The idea here is, is being persecuted. The persecution is directed at those who are living out those previous seven Beatitudes, those who are poor in spirit, those who are are meek, those who mourn over the sin, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who are merciful, those who are pure in heart, those who are peacemakers. The persecution Jesus is, is speaking of here is directed at those individuals. It should be directed at us. And remember, when we talked about the Beatitudes, it's not a list of do's and don'ts for us to do. It's the character that you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, should have. Because it's the character of Jesus Christ himself. And when you and I have Christ living within us, then we should have the character of Jesus. And when we have the character of Jesus, it should naturally lead to the conduct of Jesus. You've got to have the character, church, before you can have the conduct. Right? You've got to have the character before you have the conduct. Second Timothy 3.12, Paul reminds Timothy of this. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Jesus Christ, Christ will be persecuted. Now, now Paul is speaking to a young Timothy here. A young man who is young, not only in age, but in the faith. And so he's telling Timothy, listen, man, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to deal with these things. People are going to come at you and all these other things. And Timothy dealt with that inside the church and outside as well, now this is not a continuing thing and an ongoing thing. In other words, Jesus is not saying that every single day that you live as a follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to be persecuted. Praise God, there are days that you and I are going to go through life where we're not going to be persecuted for our faith. Yeah, you know, we can thank God for that. Just because you know you don't want to think that you're just because you know you're not a better Christian than the next guy if you're being persecuted every single day of your life because of your faith. 
doesn't make you a better Christian. Maybe some of that persecution is your own fault. But Jesus is not saying that this is a continual thing. In other words, you and I are going to live day after day after day after day being beat up uh, with persecution over and over and over and over and over. But in verse 11 there, Jesus uh, does say, he said, blessed are those, uh, Paul says, or Paul, Matthew writes there in, in verse 10, Jesus said this, and uh, blessed are those who are persecuted, so those who are persecuted. Verse 11, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil things against you. That word when there in verse 11 also means whenever. So in other words, expect it when it comes. In other words, he's saying, listen, it's going to come eventually. There will be a time when you are persecuted. That word persecution, it means to chase away, to drive away. Literally, it means those who have been wrongly treated for their faith. Wrongly treated for their faith. One commentator or one commentary, as, as I was reading and studying this, said this, persecution oftentimes comes to the Christian from the world because the Christian does not conform to the standards of the world. If you conform to the standards of the world, there's no need to persecute you. Because you're living just like the world lives. There's no need to persecute Christians. But if we have the character and the conduct of Jesus Christ, we do not conform to the world. And so we're different. And so they will persecute us for being different it speaks of physical persecution also there's a that physical harassment physical molestation physical abuse listen i have never been physically abused because i am a follower of jesus christ i've never been physically abused i've been verbally abused but I've never been physically abused. But remember this, those early Christians, Emperor Nero, he covered many Christians with pitch. And he lit them on fire and he used them as human torches to light his palace gardens. That's physical persecution. Other Christians were wrapped in animal skins and thrown to vicious hunting dogs. And the dogs ate them. You read The Voice of the Martyrs. I get that magazine, The Voice of the Martyrs. You, you read those, those Christians all around the world are being persecuted, physically persecuted, because they are believers in Jesus Christ. Remember Stephen? What happened to Stephen? He was stoned. He was physically persecuted. Remember Paul? Paul was stoned. Paul was imprisoned. Paul was beaten. He was left for dead. Ultimately, it is believed that Paul was beheaded by Emperor Nero. John the Baptist was beheaded. James, half-brother of Jesus, was beheaded. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, is said to have been fastened by cords to a cross in order to prolong and intensify his agony. John escaped the violent death. But remember John, he wrote Revelation. Where was he? He was exiled on the island of Patmos. He was exiled. Peter, remember how Peter died? He was crucified upside down. And that was his choice. 
He was crucified upside down because he didn't think he was worthy to be crucified the way his Savior and Lord was crucified. Why? Why were all these people crucified? Why were all these people killed and and, and physically abused? Why? Because the verse tells us in verse 10, who are persecuted. Why? For righteousness' sake. Because they were righteous. They had the righteousness of Christ living in them. They were righteous in the eyes of God. And they were persecuted for their faith. For righteousness' sake. Or for the sake of righteousness, on account of righteousness, some translations may say, now this righteousness church is more than just being a good person. I know a lot of good people that are lost. It's more than just being a good person. This means that our integrity that means we're pure uh, in our lives, that we're virtuous, that we're upright, that we're correct in our thinking. It means that we are in complete uh, intentional uh, in life towards God and the will of God. It means that we are a true follower of Jesus Christ is exactly what it means. And the righteousness of Christ has been imputed into you and to me because we are followers of Jesus Christ. It's not my righteousness and your righteousness. It's the righteousness of God. And because of that righteousness, we are are persecuted. And the reality of it is, man, do you remember over and over in Scripture, when you read of the disciples and all those other things, when they were persecuted and they thought how wonderful it was to be persecuted for the sake of righteousness? But this righteousness, it's a visible righteousness. It's when you and I are salt and light. When people see us shining the gospel. When people see us seasoning the world with our good news. It's a visible righteousness. Righteousness is the cause of this persecution. And the message of the gospel can bring out the worst in those who are opposed to the gospel. You don't have to look any further than that, than the man who died on that wooden cross. Why? Because of the gospel. And because of the opposition against the gospel for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. People can do evil things, church. People can do evil things. This opposition to God, this opposition uh, to anyone who makes uh, the claims uh, that you and I live on and, and claim in our lives to be followers of Jesus Christ. He goes on there in, in verse 11. He says, blessed are you. Notice what Jesus does here. In verse 10, he's making a general statement. Blessed are those. So he's talking about us. Talking to us, he's talking to those who are who who will be persecuted. Then he turns his attention directly to his disciples. And he said, "Blessed are you, plural, you, my disciples, you, the ones who are standing right here in front of me, listening to my words. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Revile there means to insult." It means serious insults. 
It means to find fault with someone. To scold literally means to, to cast in one's teeth or to cast or throw insults and abusive words or to mock viciously. It's a face-to-face encounter. It's a verbal attack that happens face-to-face. It's an abusive attack right to our faces. The moment that you and I face those verbal abuses, those, those insults. And I want to remind each and every one of us this evening, and I had to remind myself of this. When we are abused, when we are verbally attacked for the sake of Righteousness, understand that they are not attacking me and they are not attacking you. They are attacking our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let Him handle it. We don't need to seek vengeance, church. Our righteous judge is going to take care of this one way or the other. Eventually, He's going to take care of it. It may be years down the road, but we don't need to do anything about it. We don't need to take anything. We don't need to take matters into our own hands. I believe that Jesus says, vengeance is mine in in Romans. I think that's what Paul wrote. What does that mean? It means what it says. Let God take the vengeance. Let Jesus do, let, let, let him do that. We don't need to worry about those things. In Matthew chapter 26, verses 67 and 68, then they spit in his face. They spit in his face and struck him, and some slapped him. This is Jesus, by the way. And some slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Christ. Who is it that struck you? Mark 15, 19 through 20, as Jesus was being sentenced to crucifixion by Pilate, and they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him... They stripped him with a purple cloak, put on his clothes on, put up his clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. First Peter four, three through four. Peter reminds us of this truth. He says, "For the time uh, that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do: living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry." With respect to this, they are surprised. The Gentiles are surprised when you do not join them in their flood of debauchery. And when they are surprised, Peter says this, they're going to do this to you. They're going to malign you. That speaks about someone who is spitefully critical in in some sort of way. He says they're going to malign you. So when you don't conform to the world, the world is going to malign you. They're going to verbally attack you. But again, they're not verbally attacking you as a person. They're verbally attacking the one that you follow, the righteousness. Remember, for righteousness' sake. And then Jesus says in verse 11, he says, on my account. On my account. Your friends and family are going to verbally abuse you, maybe. When we live in righteousness and in truth there's also defamation of of character here as well they're going to utter all kinds of evil against you falsely have you ever been accused of something you didn't do yeah we've all i think been accused of something we didn't do 
This is verbal persecution where insults said to our faces, these evils are primarily done behind our backs. So this defamation of character, one, one of these attacks is going to be right to our face. Another one of these attacks is going to be behind our backs. Which to me is one of the most cowardly ways to attack me. Listen, if you want to attack me, do it to my face. Do it to my face. This is just that slander, slanderous comments, slanderous statements. These are much more difficult to defend. These are the ones that can ruin you professionally. These are the ones that can ruin your life when people speak these lies about you, falsely claiming that you are this or you are that when you've done none of that, but they can destroy your life. It spreads unabated. Even though it is completely false. Falsely there means literally to deceive one by a lie against another. In other words, they are telling lies about us behind our backs. And many of those lies may very well destroy us. They may very well destroy us. Now think about this. When you think about this, when we are physically persecuted, when we are verbally attacked, our character is defamed. The animosity, again, you've got to understand this, is not directed at us, but is directed at Jesus Christ. It's directed at Jesus. So we need to understand that. And if we understand that, I think it will help us to understand and help us to be happy as we are persecuted. Because when we are persecuted, we understand, man, I am being obedient to my Lord and Savior. And my God is being glorified. My God is being glorified. And I don't know about you. And I know this may be selfish on my part or whatever, but there is no better... There is no better uh, thing for me to do than to laugh in the face of Satan. When I'm persecuted and I'm happy about it for the sake of righteousness on the, on the, on the account of my Lord and Savior, do you know how angry Satan gets? He's the enemy of God, and he's sending these verbal attacks. He's sending these defamations of character, all these lies against you. And he's the enemy of us as followers of God and our Savior and Lord. Lord Jesus suffered physical persecution. He suffered these verbal attacks, and and they tried to defame his character every chance they got. Yet our Savior and Lord endured all that, went to the cross. To give us the opportunity to be saved first and foremost. But to give us also the opportunity to have the righteousness of Christ imputed in us. To where you and I both can do the same thing that Jesus Christ. Endure the persecutions. Most of us, most of us will probably never ever endure the types of persecutions that our Lord and Savior endured. Most of us. You know, I praise God for that. I don't want to go through that. I don't want to go through that. All I want to do is know that if I have to go through that, I will endure. I will endure. 
Galatians chapter 6, verse 17, Paul concludes his letter there to the Christians there in Galatia. He says, from now on, let no one cause me trouble. He says this, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Man, I love that, Paul. I can't wait to see him in heaven. I can't wait. And so we've got to realize the reality of persecution. We've got to understand, set ourselves, listen, it's going to happen. So when it does, what are we going to do? Well, one of the things we need to do is we need to understand the second thing. The blessings of those who are persecuted are kingdom-focused. They're kingdom-focused. Second part of a verse... Uh, Verse 10 here, that's not verse 9, so if that's on your outline, it's not verse uh, 9. But there's three basic things here. When we see in this passage, you see three, uh, we talk about the kingdom of heaven, and you talk about the rewards are great in heaven. But the, the perspective that you and I must have is an eternal perspective. In other words, we must understand that we will eventually see eternity, but we also have eternity here and now, the kingdom of heaven there, it refers to, it's also back in the previous verse. We notice in verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is what? The kingdom of heaven. Or the kingdom of God, if you will. But this kingdom uh, consists of three distinct aspects. Basically, three distinct aspects. The first one is that universal earthly kingdom. Our present kingdom, the kingdom that you and I live in, the kingdom of heaven that you and I live in now. It's the kingdom that we become a part of when we were saved. We talk about eternity here on earth. You know, the eternity is not just a, 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 a quantity of time, but it's a quality of life as well. And so when you and I live in this current kingdom, the kingdom of God, this earthly kingdom, because we are saved followers of Jesus Christ, then we have benefits living here on earth. We have benefits living here on earth. And one of the greatest benefits that you and I have is to share the kingdom of God with others. That's one of the greatest benefits that you and I have. But this is temporal in nature. This universal kingdom, it's, it's temporal in nature. All of us as children of God, all the church is a part of this universal temporal kingdom but you know we don't need to live here in this on this earth we don't need to live in this temporal kingdom as if we've lost our best friend we need to live in comfort we need to live in strength why because we have the indwelling of the spirit of god living in us and so we have all the power we need we have all the presence we need think about daniel you remember daniel Anybody remember Daniel? When Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, his life was spared and he was restored to his high position. I mean, that, that Daniel was a part of that earthly kingdom and he was still thrown into the lion's den and persecuted. And yet Daniel endured that. Why? Because he had the power of God on his side. But he lived in that temporal kingdom. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those three men were thrown into that fiery furnace because of their refusal to what? Bow down to, the, to Nebuchadnezzar, the, the statue that had been built. When they heard the music, they were to bow down and worship the statue. These guys said, listen, we're not going to bow down and worship no statue. We're going to worship God and God alone. 
when he heard that, he got very angry. And he threw those three men into the fiery furnace. Remember what happened? There was a fourth man in there. That man was Jesus Christ. Those men came out of that fiery furnace. The Bible says that their, their, their clothes weren't singed. And their clothes didn't even smell like smoke. But these guys endured. These guys dealt with part of this earthly kingdom, this, this temporal kingdom. But they found comfort and they found strength in God even in the midst of their difficult situations. And we can too. I don't know many of us are going to ever be thrown into a fiery furnace. But if you remember back to that story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, Listen, we're okay either way, man. If we get thrown in here and God takes us, we're okay with that. If we get thrown in here and God does great things, we're okay with that too. There's also a second uh, dimension uh, or aspect of this of this kingdom, these kingdom blessings. It's that millennial kingdom, that thousand year reign of Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter twenty verse four says this: Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to who the authority to judge was committed. Also, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received on their foreheads the mark or their hands the mark. They came to life and reigned. Listen, listen. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. That millennial kingdom, we will be co-regents. That means we'll join, uh, be joint rule in the millennial kingdom. We will rule with Jesus Christ in the millennial kingdom. How good is that? How good is that? Whew, that's good stuff. And so you see that millennial kingdom, those blessings there of the millennial kingdom. Kingdom, being a part of that would be wonderful, but be able to reign with Christ will be awesome. That third thing there, though, of those kingdom blessings is that eternal kingdom. Listen, we have an eternal kingdom, a future kingdom that has not yet been experienced. It's that not yet. That not yet. That means living forever in the presence of the Lord, enjoying the presence of the Lord for all of eternity. That's it, that eternal life that Jesus talks about. We have that benefit in eternity. We have that benefit. But listen, what are we going to do between now and then? What are we going to do? What we're going to do is we're going to endure the persecution that we're going to face with comfort and strength because we know that we have an eternal kingdom and we know that if God was to take us today and we know that if we were to be martyred for our faith today that we know where we're going to be in eternity. We're going to live with Him forever. Matthew chapter 19 to verse 14, Jesus speaks of this kingdom. He says, But Jesus said this, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Mark 10, 14. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me, do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, they're interchangeable there. It speaks of the same thing. It speaks of this eternal kingdom. 
we have an eternal uh, kingdom waiting for us. Peter writes about that and he says it's being kept in heaven for us. Those imperishable uh, blessings that benefits is being kept in heaven for us. God is waiting on us that one day we will experience that eternal kingdom. And we will live in the presence of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Yeah, amen. That's great news. That is great news. And so those are the blessings that you and I will experience. So we need to have that kingdom focus. We need to be focused on the kingdom. When we are here on earth, we focus on the kingdom by saying to ourselves, listen, I want as many, I want to take as many people into the kingdom of God as I possibly can. Let's get busy. That's what we say. What does that look like? Well, we go out and share the gospel. We, we live uh, like saints here on earth. We, we, we do the, the, we are obedient to God. We do all the things that God has asked us to do. And we experience the blessings here on earth, the protection of God, the, 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 the comfort of God, the strength of God, and all those other things that you and I experience here on this earth. We're still here for a reason. We're still here for a reason. And so we need to live like eternity is just around the corner. And we need to make sure that we bring as many people into that eternal, uh, that, that forever and ever as we possibly can. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Set your minds on what? The things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. We have got to have an eternal perspective. Got to have an eternal perspective. One final thing, as followers, we can expect the persecution at some point, but we understand that we will be blessed. Jesus tells us that we will be, uh, theirs will be the kingdom of heaven, and we'll have great rewards in heaven. Number three, the persecuted have grounds for rejoicing. Look at verse 12. Rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad, he says. For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were, who, who were before you. This might be the most counterintuitive idea of the entire set of Beatitudes. Jesus tells his followers, he has just told them, listen, you will be persecuted. You're going to be reviled. You're going to be uh, persecuted again. You're going to have all kinds of evil things uttered uh, uh, falsely against you on account of me. You're going to be persecuted for righteousness' sake. And some of those guys he's talking to, he didn't go into detail with those guys, but he didn't tell Peter, listen, Peter, you're going to be crucified upside down. James, you're going to be, you're going to be beheaded. So he tells them all of these things, and then in verse 12, he says this, Rejoice and be glad. Imagine telling James, James, you're going to be beheaded, but buddy, rejoice and be glad, my friend. So counterintuitive. Jesus says, listen, instead of having sorrow and depression, he says, rejoice and be glad. To rejoice there means to rejoice, to be glad. To be glad is be, be exceedingly glad. Literally, it means to skip and jump with happy excitement. 
That's what that literally means, that word glad there. It's an imperative also. That means it's a command. Jesus is not making this as a suggestion. He's saying, listen, when you're persecuted, you need to rejoice and be glad in it. He's basically telling these guys, he says, you need to skip it about with exceeding excitement that you're being insulted. Skip and jump about with exceeding excitement that you're being labeled a bigot and an intolerant. Skip and jump about with exciting or exceeding excitement when you are put in prison for what you believe and for voicing those beliefs. It's almost like a little kid jumping around with excitement and skipping on Christmas morning when they're coming down uh, the, the hallway to see those Christmas presents. Jesus says, listen, you need to rejoice and be glad. When they insult you, you need to be rejoicing and be glad. When they insult you, you need to be rejoicing and be glad. When they put you in prison, on my account. Rejoice, boys, and be glad. Rejoice, church, and be glad. James 1, 2 reminds us of this. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Well, how do we do that? How do we do that? Jesus gives us two things here in this one verse. How do, we, how do we rejoice and how do we be glad? First of all, we need to understand the great rewards await us. These great rewards await you and I who endure this persecution. This is a similar verse to, to verse 10 when he says, Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Rewards there, it means the divine recompense. It literally means the reward God bestows or will bestow upon good deeds and endeavors. That word great, it speaks to size. So that reward that you and I are going to receive, that reward that God will bestow upon us for our good deeds and our good endeavors will be huge. It's going to be large. How big? I don't know how big. The Bible just tells me it's going to be great. And this great heavenly Reward, it awaits you and it awaits me when we endure the persecution, when we rejoice and be glad in this persecution that is invariably going to come and we reap the eternal dividends. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 20, Jesus said this about heavenly treasures. He said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust uh, destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. First Peter 1 Peter 1.4, just mentioned it a moment ago. He's speaking, uh, Peter speaks here of being born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. In verse 4 he says this, to an inheritance that is what? Imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you there's a reward waiting in heaven for you waiting for you and waiting for me it's an inheritance and it's imperishable it's undefiled it's unfading and it's kept in heaven for you so we see these great rewards that await us when we endure this persecution but there's a second thing we notice in this verse too we have a great example from the past a great example from the past. Jesus said, For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In other words, you're in good company, church. You're in good company. They persecuted my prophets as well. 
You remember some of those prophets. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Amos. Throughout history, there have been people killed because they were followers of Jesus Christ. There have been people who have opposed God. Think about Cain. Cain killed his brother for crying out loud. Why? Because Abel had a better sacrifice than his brother. You know, the Bible doesn't really say it, but I, I've learned this even when I was when I was growing up in church. But uh, but but Noah, more than likely, was ridiculed for building an ark when it had never rained. There ain't a drop of rain had fallen on the earth, and God had told Noah to build this ark. And so you can imagine that Noah was probably ridiculed by his his friends and his his neighbors and his acquaintances. Acts five forty one and forty two. The apostles had been in prison for preaching the gospel, and in verse twenty, the Bible tells us that they were released, and their response was this. Before they were released, they were beaten, if you remember that passage, and they were charged not to speak in the name of Jesus. And here's the response. Here's the response. Listen, this is good stuff. Then they, that's the disciples, left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. These guys didn't worry about the beatings. They didn't worry about the sufferings because they knew they were suffering for the sake of Jesus Christ. They were suffering for the sake of Jesus Christ. And we see the ultimate example of Christ himself in Colossians chapter 1, verse 22, 24. Paul says, speaking of his ministry to the church, he says, Now I rejoice, Paul says, in my sufferings for your sake, And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of the body that is his church. Paul was suffering. He was in prison. He was suffering for the sake of the body. He was filling up what Jesus could no longer fill up. Jesus had ascended. He's in heaven. Jesus could no longer take the abuse. He could no longer take the insults. But Paul was stepping in the place of Christ, taking the abuse, taking the insults. And you and I are going to do the same thing. We're going to step in the place of Jesus because we're followers of Jesus. And we're going to take the abuse. We're going to take the ridicule. We're going to take the insults. And we maybe lose our lives because of it. In ancient Rome, crowds by the tens of thousands would gather in the Colosseum to watch as Christians were torn apart by wild animals. Paul Rader, uh, Rader is a, a, a the, the fifth general of the Salvation, fifteenth general of the Salvation Army, commented on his visit to this famous landmark. He said, "This I stood uncovered to the heavens above, where he sits, uh, from whom they gladly died, and asked myself, would I, could I, die for him tonight to get this gospel to the ends of the earth." Raider continued, I prayed most fervently in that Roman arena for the spirit of a martyr and for the working of the Holy Spirit in my heart as he worked in Paul's heart when he brought him on, on his handcuff, handcuffed way to Rome. Those early Christians lived on the threshold of heaven within a heartbeat of home, no possessions to hold them back. He wondered, this man wondered as he stood there, 
thinking back on what many of those Christians that had been there in Rome during the, uh, the, the first century had gone to the Colosseums, had lost their lives because they were faithful followers of Jesus Christ. And he wondered, and I wonder this myself, would I, could I die for the sake of Jesus Christ? 2 Corinthians 4.18, Paul says, As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Our perspective, church, has got to be an eternal perspective. It's got to be an eternal perspective. And we receive those blessings, those kingdom blessings. And that persecution that you and I face is grounds for rejoicing. So how does that apply? Well, so what, preacher? So what? Well, let me give you some application points to close out this message. Number one, the Word of God says Christians will face various forms of persecution. Second Timothy one three twelve again. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. The question is, are you willing? Are you willing? Number two. Knowing persecution will eventually come knocking at our door. We need to be ready for it. If we're ready for it, it's going to help us to not be surprised by it. Number three, our Savior and Lord face persecution. And are we less deserving than Him? Pray to God, number four, pray to God for strength to endure. Number five, faithfully love and trust God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Number six, remain strong. Not only remain strong, but remain faithful to the Word of God. Remain faithful to the promises of God. We need to read it. We need to study it. We need to meditate on it. And then we need to repeat. Read it. Study it. Meditate on it. Repeat. Read it. Study it. Meditate on it. Repeat. Because the Word of God may be the only thing that you have in that moment of persecution. And as you are being persecuted, and as you face those things that you're going to face as a follower of Jesus Christ, the Word of God will come flooding back into your mind. And that, church, is where your comfort will come. That's where it comes. The next one there is we need to choose those you interact with very, very, very carefully. We're going to be around non-Christians all the time. We need to be in that. We've got to be. But there's some people that we can choose not to be around. So you need to be very careful with who you interact with. You need to be reminded of those faithful servants of the past. We need to remember the Stevens. We need to remember the Pauls. We need to remember the Peters. We need to remember those folks that we know that lived in our time, lived in the 21st century, that are being persecuted day after day after day after day for their faith. And the final thing is we need to keep an eternal perspective. We need to remember our heavenly rewards. Keep an eye on Christ. Keep our eyes focused on heaven and the things of heaven. And so we're going to face this persecution, y'all. When we live the way Jesus has asked us to live, when we have the character of Jesus Christ, when we have the conduct of Jesus Christ, the watching world is not going to like it. 
Satan does not like it. And he is the God of this world. And so he is going to do all he can do to overcome uh, God's people, whatever that looks like, however he has to do that. But we've got to endure. We've got to endure. We've got to understand that, that we will experience that persecution, but we've got to keep our eyes fixed on the kingdom of God and the blessings that you and I are going to receive here and now and also those eternal blessings. And then we need to rejoice. We need to rejoice. Rejoice when we are persecuted. Rejoice because when we are persecuted. Let me read this passage again. Let me find it again here. Let me read this this passage again to you. Then they, that's the disciples, left the presence of the council rejoicing. Rejoicing, why? That they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. When you and I are persecuted, we need to count as that we're worthy. God found us worthy to be persecuted for his name's sake. Let's pray. Thanks again for listening today. We hope the word preached today would be used by God mightily as you go about your week. Again, if you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. Have a blessed day and may God grant you grace this week to grow more into the likeness of Jesus. Thank you.